Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where OP gets his toxic boss fired. Our next Reddit post is from Fire Me Anytime. This story happened to a friend of mine, Bobby. Bobby was a machinist, a good one, and the only one at the company where he worked. The company he worked for made an intricate product, and his part in making that product was crucial. The rest of the product bolted onto the part that he made. The finished product sold for tens of thousands of dollars. It took Bobby three hours to make this piece. Bobby would make three a day. He'd make one in the morning, take his coffee break, then make another, and then take his lunch break. That ate up about six hours and 45 minutes. Then he'd stay late to make a third part and make two hours of overtime pay. His new foreman turned out to be a jerk. He'd try to get Bobby to do other tasks, and Bobby said no because he had to monitor his machine during all stages of the cycle. The foreman complained to the plant manager, who told the foreman to back off and just leave Bobby alone. One day, there was a bad snowstorm, and Bobby was 10 minutes late. The foreman was there to greet him at the time clock, with a smug grin on his face, holding a demerit slip. Bobby had clocked in one minute late the previous week, and the union rules said that if you were late twice within 14 days, you got 20 demerit points. Bobby and the foreman got into a bit of an animated conversation, and the union steward came over and said that Bobby had no choice but to take the demerit hits. So, Bobby went to work. His shift was 8am to 4.30pm, but he usually stayed until 6.30 to finish the last part. Not today. At 4.30, he shut the machine down and headed for the door. The next morning, the foreman comes over and says the assembly team is short one part. Bobby said, yeah, I know, I'm working on it right now. I'll be done in two hours. But they need three a day. Why didn't you make three of them yesterday? Because my shift is over at 4.30 and I went home. What? You stay every night until the third part is finished. Bobby pulled the demerit slip out of his shirt pocket, looked the foreman in the eye and said, not anymore. Bobby had done the math. Every week, instead of him making 15 parts, he would now be making 10 or 11. The foreman tried to sweep it under the rug, but within a few days, chaos ensued. The assemblers had no core parts, and their team went to the plant manager to let him know that production was failing. The other assembly guys actually liked the delay. They got to hang around talking while they waited for Bobby's next part to arrive. Eventually, there was a meeting with the plant manager, foreman, union steward, and Bobby. The foreman tried to throw Bobby under the bus by saying that he refused overtime. The union steward pointed out that, as per the contract, mandatory overtime was only in case of emergencies, and this was not an emergency. Bobby had every right to decline the overtime. The foreman lost his temper, started yelling at Bobby and the union steward, and was asked to leave the meeting. The plant manager knew that he was screwed, so he looked at Bobby and asked, What's it going to take you to get to work overtime again? Bobby smiled and replied, As long as that foreman is my supervisor, I won't be working a minute of overtime. And that was the last anyone saw of the foreman. By sticking to the contract, Bobby cost that company a handful of parts worth many thousands of dollars. And they put the company in a position where their lowered production would cost them even more, in perpetuity. Bobby worked a couple of Saturdays to catch up and made double overtime for those shifts. They hired a new foreman who was explicitly instructed, do not, under any circumstances, mess with Bobby. 
So yeah, this is really satisfying malicious compliance. What Bobby did was really clever and smart. But at the same time, this story depends on the company being dumb. What if Bobby gets sick? What if he gets hit by a train? What if he quits? What if he dies? Why not just hire a second Bobby? I mean, I know why. The reason why is because they don't want to pay a second employee because they're cheap. Well, now their cheapness is costing them. The phrase I heard that I think applies to this situation is, this is like bending over to pick up pennies in front of a steamroller. Yeah, technically you're saving money, but inevitably this is going to result in disaster. Our next Reddit post is from Light Fairy. I used to be a chef in a Mexican restaurant in a small town in Australia nearly 40 years ago. We were modestly popular, and I loved working there. One night, a young man came in to dine with a young lady. It was very obviously a first date. They ordered nachos to share with a side of jalapenos for their entree. He ordered a steak Veracruz for his main, which is spicy, and the young lady ordered a chicken burrito, which is mild. I, as I usually did throughout the night, would walk around the tables and ask if people were enjoying the food. After they had their nachos, I checked on them, and the young man told me that the chili that accompanied the nachos weren't hot at all, and that he loved hot food. He told me that he had traveled extensively, and had eaten some of the hottest food in the world, and that no one ever made a dish too hot for him. He reiterated that he wanted his steak made extra hot. To be honest, I found him to be pompous and rather obnoxious in the way that he was speaking down to me, and found myself taking a disliking to him. I'll add at this point that the young lady was looking a little uncomfortable, and I got the impression that her date was not going as she had expected. I headed to the kitchen. I made the girl a lovely chicken burrito while putting together his steak. He wanted his steak hot, he was gonna get it. Our steak Veracruz was usually a steak, cooked and topped with our house tomato sauce base with some bell peppers, onions, and a touch of chili. Keep in mind that this was Australia back in the 80s, and we didn't get a lot of different chilies back then, and jalapeno was considered hot by most Aussie palates. Hey, we were an uneducated bunch. I had a few bird's eye chilies in the kitchen, so I started with those. I finely diced about 10 of those with their seeds. I then started sweating off my onions and bell peppers. I then threw in the chilies and added about a tablespoon of chili powder and a tablespoon of cayenne. I soon felt the fumes hit my nose and the back of my throat, and my eyes started watering. I ran to the door of the kitchen to get a breath of breathable air because the air in my tiny kitchen was rapidly becoming unbreathable. I ran back to my pan and put a ladle of the house tomato sauce in. I then let it simmer for a few minutes. I then added some chopped up jalapenos from a jar in my fridge and thought, why not? And in went a bit more chili powder. I then put the flash fried steak in to finish it off in the sauce. I served it all up on a plate with some rice, served up the chicken burrito, and hit the bell for the waitress to serve it to the table. <laughs> oh man, this next line. The waitress came back and told me that as she placed it in front of him, he said, This had better be hot. She assured him the chef had done as he requested. Yeah, I have to imagine at this point the waitress would have known that because if you're holding the food in front of your face while you're walking to the people, then you're basically macing yourself by walking into the cloud of fumes that this concoction is putting off. Anyways, back to the story. I went to the door of the kitchen, joined by my waitress, to watch the show unfold, and unfold it did. I watched with glee as he sliced the steak, took a piece on his fork, and with a smug look on his face, he put it in his mouth. 
He chewed it and then realized his mistake. I saw it. That moment when his face changed, but he was trying so hard not to show it. He couldn't. He was on a date and he had bragged so hard and now he had to go through with it. He ate the steak. I could see every ounce of pain on his face. He struggled. He struggled hard. His date watched him with a slight smile on her lips, and I got the impression that she was thoroughly enjoying his pain. <laughs> he went through several jugs of water. He sweated. He barely spoke. He looked really uncomfortable. At the end of the meal, I came out of the kitchen and I asked him if he had enjoyed his meal. <laughs> his words could have been hotter. He never came back. His date, she became a regular and told us that he was an insufferable fool and she never saw him again. I have no regrets other than I wish Carolina Reapers had been around then. Our next Reddit post is from Phantom Father. A few years ago, I was moving my business to a new location that needed six months to be built out. I informed our current alarm company a few months before the move that we'd be moving services, which for whatever reason, they couldn't do. I had to open a new account with them and then close the old one. Sure, that's fine. They got all the details and sold me the newer system that would be connected to the internet so I could monitor it from my phone. Sounds great. So they told me they could install it next week, but I had to have the internet set up and running before they could do it. I told them that phone lines and internet wouldn't be installed until later because I didn't want to pay for services that we weren't using and I would let them know when it was installed so they could come out for their install. Everything satisfied, the call was complete. A few days later, I started getting weekly phone calls from their installers telling me they were on their way to the new site to do the install. And every time I had to explain to them that the internet wouldn't be installed until later and that I would call them to let them know when it was done. Each and every time they would say, Oh, okay, sounds good. We'll wait to hear from you. But then, the following week, it would repeat again. On the sixth week, I got the same weekly call from the alarm company installer. Hi, this is Jim. Just letting you know that we'll be at your site in about 30 minutes to do the install. But this time, I just said, okay. I hung up and went back to work, which was happening at our current location. At this point, no workers or work was happening at the new site. About 30 minutes later, I got a call from Jim saying the doors were locked and nobody was answering. I said, I know, nobody's there today and the internet won't be installed until next month anyway. At this point, he starts getting agitated with me and he asked me why I scheduled an install for today and why I told him that I'd be there when he called. I explained, I didn't. You said you'd be there in 30 minutes and I said okay. Amazingly, the weekly call stopped coming after that and I called them a couple of weeks before the move and they came out and installed it just fine. So everyone down in the comments is calling this company incompetent and stupid and like, why would you trust a company that's incompetent? But I have to wonder if this is really incompetence or is it just good old fashioned capitalism? You know, like if you're scheduled to have the install happen like three weeks from now, you still try to send someone out early to get it installed early because the sooner you get things installed, the sooner you can start billing them for your service. So yeah, could have been incompetence. Could have also just been greed. Our next Reddit post is from Gingerly Forged. So I'm a 34-year-old guy who used to work at a popular convenience store chain years ago. I've always been a bit of a clown, but very good at following rules while doing so. 
After working there a few years and seeing managers come and go, we got in a new woman who was just miserable and really wanted to flex her authority. Shortly after she started, she posted the uniform portion of the handbook in the break room and started complaining about people's attire, but clearly took the biggest issue with girls wearing yoga pants. So, me being the petty rule follower that I am, I combed through the policy and noticed some things in the wording. The rules stated that yoga pants were allowed as long as the ankles flared, and there was no gender designation for these articles. Cue malicious compliance. Me and a friend went to Walmart after work and bought me a couple pairs of flared yoga pants. Now, mind you, I'm not a huge guy, but I am chubby and I have a big beard. I began wearing those yoga pants almost every day I worked, and especially if she was working. This infuriated her. I would regularly hear her protest, and I even saw her go to the assistant general manager and the general manager. Their response was always, I can't say anything, he's following the dress code. This continued for a month, tops, before she requested a transfer. But what made it even more fun was trolling weird pervert customers. They would stand at the deli area and gawk at the young ladies working, especially if they were bent over the hot food table. When I would notice this, I would sidle over behind them and give the boys two butts to look at before whipping my head around and making eye contact with them. The level of disgust on their faces filled my heart with joy. Our next Reddit post is from Supervisor Confession. So, I work in a major university in the USA. I run a night crew that works a swing shift. Every six months or so, upper management likes to have some all-hands-on-deck meeting where everyone in our department shows up to listen to them talk about how great they are. Overall, it's a pretty big waste of time. The first one I ever went to, I was forced to go to by my previous supervisor. I had to be there at 10am for a 90-minute meeting. My normal start time was 4pm, so this was a huge inconvenience. The next year, that supervisor had left and I was the new supervisor. I knew another meeting was coming because I'd received several emails about it. However, I read my contract, and it required that any temporary shift change requires 48-hour written notice. Finally, less than 24 hours before the event, we finally received our notice. I immediately reply, saying that they failed to give us 48 hours notice and we would not be attending. My manager was initially upset because I didn't say anything earlier. I told him that it wasn't my job to do that and pointed to the contract. He eventually gave in and said, Fine, you don't have to come. Next time we'll give you more notice. However, I decided to make this a larger issue. I spoke to the director, who was also upset that we wouldn't be attending. So I offered that we could do a smaller event for the night crew. Long story short, ever since then, we now have a separate event at night. Turns out, there's far more people working the night shift than just in our shop. There are several other groups, including custodians, who also don't want to adjust their shifts. I never intended this to be that far-reaching, but that simple rule saved us a ton of heartache. No one ever thinks about the night crew. That was r slash malicious compliance, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast, because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.